promise keeping God. The Bible says that his word is forever settled. Don't be surprised when you wake up tomorrow and the word hasn't changed. Don't be surprised when you wake up tomorrow and the promise he made you five years ago is the same promise he's been working on for five years and you just... Why did he fail to mention the giants? It would have been so easy. There's plenty of references he could have slipped it into. There's plenty of times when, uh, when he was talking about this land that flows with milk and honey. He could have just slipped it in. Oh, by the way, it also has giants. It's like when you get a house inspected and they're like, oh, this house is awesome. It's, every, it's everything you could possibly need. But if they forgot to tell you about the termites, you'd be pretty upset. It would have been so easy, Lord. You're, you've been pumping us up, getting us excited about this place. Then we show up and there's giants there. I found it so interesting because the giants seemed to be the deciding factor for them. They were okay with the walls. They were okay with everything else, but they came back and said, oh, uh, he told us about the walls, and we're okay with that. There's, he told us there would be people there, and there's a lot of people there. But he didn't tell us about the giants, and that's just one straw too far. That's just one thing too many. I don't know if we can do this. I, I feel like we're grasshoppers in our own sight, the Bible says. But let me encourage somebody here this afternoon. I have come to this one conclusion. The only reason not to mention the giants... It's because the giants weren't worth mentioning. He made them the promise. Why does he have to tell them about the problems? In other words, let me put it to you like this. The giants did not jeopardize his ability to accomplish the promise. He knew there were giants in the land the first time he told them, I'm taking you to a new place. But he didn't tell them about the giants because he thought the promise would be enough. The giants didn't even come up in the conversation. Why? Because in comparison to our God, the giants have no power. In comparison to his strength, there is no strength of any giant that can stop our God from accomplishing his word, that can stop our God from accomplishing the promise that he has laid before them. He didn't have to tell them, by the way, there's all these issues and all these problems. He said, if you'll just believe the promise, the giants won't matter. If you'll just walk in faith, the giants won't stop you. Oh, it may seem like a big thing to you, but I want you to know if you believe the promise is greater than the problem. I said, the promise is greater than the problem. The promise that you shall receive healing. The promise that you will, you will be blessed. The promise that he made you is greater than the problem before you. The promise by his stripes we are healed is greater than the cancer. It's greater than the depression. It's greater than the pain in your body. 
Amen. That's the God that we serve. God doesn't make a habit of coming around and telling you about your enemy. He expects you to trust his word. When you showed up in the midst of your problem and you showed up and you didn't see it coming, he didn't expect you to get mad at him, sit down on him, walk away on him. He expected you to keep on believing, keep on walking, keep on trusting. In the face of the giant, he was hoping there was somebody that would believe him. He was hoping that there was somebody that was bought in to the promise, that was bought into the word. There are times we are going to face giants. There are times we are going to face circumstances that are beyond our control. We're going to face sickness and affliction. We're going to face hurt and disaster. We're going to face global pandemics in the midst of our promised revival. It's going to happen. And those promises are those, those uh, uh, promises and those things that are coming against our promise, those things are, that are beyond our control, those are giants. You know what giants are good for? Giants are good for intimidating us, Pastor. We've already established giants don't threaten God's power. But they do threaten our power. They missed out on the blessing because they allowed themselves to be intimidated out of the blessing. They allowed the giant that posed no threat to God pose a threat to them and say, I can't do it. Amen. And when we face circumstances and we face struggles and we face heartache and we face uh, things that are beyond our control and we name that giant and we, we talk about all the hardship and all the things that are wrong and we, we, we say, oh, look at all the impossibilities that are, that are in front of me. Friends, it's not time to get upset at God. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's time to remember his promises. It's time to remember his promises. Oh, for his promises declare, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Fear not. He's a promise keeper. Fear not, child of God. That promise is for you, and he declared it to be true, and he plans on keeping his word. He declared, by his stripes, we are healed. Fear not. He's a promise keeper. He hasn't forgotten his word. He hasn't forgotten the promise he made you. He said, God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. He intends on keeping that word. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Is there anybody here today that would say, I'm the church. I'm the church, and that promise is for me. I have a God who said it, and I believe it. I just believe it. I believe it. Unfortunately, on the edge of receiving their promise, on the edge of receiving their miracle, moving into the promised land, taking new territory, experiencing all that God had prepared for them, the people of Israel chose to have fear over faith. 
They chose to allow the intimidation to cause them to miss out on the blessing. They allowed the intimidation, the size of the problem, to keep them from receiving the promise. They said, oh, these giants are too tall. These giants are too great. What are we going to do? We can't make it. We can't, we, we can't overcome this. There's not much else we can do. But I, 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 I pray in this season of time, I pray in this season of the world, I pray in the midst of the chaos that is around us, that there is an army of people who are willing to stand up unafraid, undeterred by the enemy, undeterred by giants that are not afraid to stand in the face of giants, rise up and have enough faith to believe that God said it, that he would do it, that would walk in faith, not walk by sight, but walk in faith. Amen. Bible declares that if God be for us, if God be for you, just think about that. We're talking about the God of all creation. We're talking about the God who speaks and things happen. We're talking about the God who's never lost a battle. And you think he's going to start with you? Since the beginning of time, he's never lost. You think he's going to start with you in 2022? You think he's going to break his record on you? Friends, his word is already settled. He's already the victor. He's already won the battle, and he fights for you. There, there, are, there were two men, though. We've read the story. We know we've taught it. Sunday school, you've heard the story. There were two men out of the 12 that said, we can do this. There's Joshua and there's Caleb. What makes these two men so special? I begin to ask myself, why these two men saw the same thing that the other 10 saw? They saw the same tall walls. They saw the fruit of the land. They saw the number uh, of men that were, that were uh, occupying the land. They saw the giants. Joshua, Caleb, they, are they nuts? Are they crazy? What, what would cause two men to stand against ten and say, we can do it? Maybe they were just a little bit nuts. Maybe they're the weirdos that are like, oh, don't, don't take their word for it. They're just a little weird. I begin to ask myself, why? Why would Joshua and Caleb see the same things? Why would Joshua and Caleb go through the same, the same sights, the same trip that everybody else went? Everybody else on the trip said, absolutely not. And they were going, yeah, we can do it. So I began to ask myself, what's so special about these two men? I looked and I found that just before they left on this scouting trip, Moses changed Joshua's name. He's listed in the original 12 as Oshea. And Oshea means salvation. So imagine with me a young man growing up with the name salvation. A humble young man, I'm sure. Don't worry, Mom, I got this. Salvation is here. 
But you see, with a name like salvation, all of the responsibility rests on you. And just before he left, Moses called him over. He said, let me smack you upside the head a little bit. Let me get your vision corrected just a little bit. And he changed his name from Oshea to Jehoshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. He said, before you go down there, you start spying out the land. Before you go down there and you lay those eyes on them big old giants, let me give you a new perspective. Let me, t let me help you take your eyes off of yourself. Because I don't want you to go down there and I, want you, I don't want you to think, well, what can I do to overcome? What, what, well, I need to come up with some good strategy. Do you, have you seen those giants down there? Don't y'all worry a bit. Uh, salvation is here. Uh, I'll find a plan. I'll come up with a good way. Uh, you guys don't even worry about it. Uh, I've got this. He said, I don't want you to go down there with the attitude uh, and compare yourself uh, to those giants. Uh, but when you get down there and you see those large men, looming with their large swords I want you to have a new perspective not what can you do but what can Jehovah do don't you go down there and compare yourself to that giant you go compare that giant to your God don't you go down there and say, how is Joshua going to fix this? You go down there and say, how is Jesus going to do this? How is Jehovah going to make a way? I may not be able to do it. I don't have the resources, but I've got a God who can. I've got a God who can. I can't heal. I can't deliver. I can't overcome. But I've got a God who can. I've got a God who can. Moses gave him a gift. He said, you take your eyes off of yourself and you put it on Jehovah. You put your eyes where your eyes belong, on the hills from whence cometh your help. You stop comparing yourself to every problem. You stop comparing yourself to every giant. You stop comparing yourself to every sickness, every need. And you start looking unto the hills and saying, Lord, I can't do it, but you can. Lord, I can't make a way, but you can. Notice. All the other people said, we can't do it. We are as grasshoppers in our own sight. All the focus was on them. All the focus was on their resources. All the focus was on their battle strategy. The very next chapter is where we see Joshua, and he's, and he's the only one that says, our God is well able. He's the only one saying, uh, I know I can't do it, uh, but he can. Uh, I know I don't have the resources, uh, but he does. Uh, I know I can't make a way, uh, but he can. Uh, I know it's impossible for these hands, uh, but I've got a God who is able. Uh, I've got a God who is greater than every giant. Uh, I know I can't do it, uh, but Jehovah is my salvation. Uh, I'm not the Savior. He is. Uh, I'm not the Deliverer. He is. Uh, I'm not the Waymaker. He is. How many times we step on the scene and we, we compare ourselves to the problem we see. We compare our abilities against the abilities of our enemy. We compare ourselves to the sickness 
We, we, we try to match up this or any, and we, we, we see ourselves here, and we put the problem before us, and it seems so great, seems so big. We see the need, and we check our bank account. We've got the sickness, and we just take the word of the doctor. Or we get on WebMD. We diagnose ourselves and then we tell ourselves we can't heal ourselves. And God is right here. And he's saying, if you would just get your eyes off of you, if you would just stop checking your bank account and realize I own the cattle on a thousand hills. If you would just stop worrying about what the doctor said and you'd start worrying about what the great physician said. When we get our eyes, I, I, I pray we leave this place tonight with a new perspective. I pray that we leave with a new perspective and we get our eyes off of ourselves, and we start looking unto the hills. We might have to declare, God, I'm not able, but I trust that you are. And you know what? That's all right. I know I can't tear down walls, but I know a God who can. I know I can't take down giants, but I know my God can. And then we find Caleb. Oh, Caleb. To me, he kind of just seemed like one of the dudes. He's just one of the guys. It's like maybe, maybe he had a name change and this will be really easy. He's Caleb. He was Caleb before. He's Caleb now. What's special about Caleb? I begin to rack my brain and think and read over this passage and think, who, who's this Caleb guy? Why is he so crazy and so nuts that he would just go, Giants? Yeah, no big deal. Why is he that crazy person that shows up on Sunday when everything is going wrong in the world and he just shows up in a good mood? And he's just happy for Jesus. The only thing that I could find that was different about Caleb was where he came from. And Caleb is from the tribe of Judah. And as you know, Judah means praise. So let me break it down for, like, for you like this. When you come from a place of praise, you automatically have a different perspective on giants. When you live in a place of praise, giants don't seem as big to you as they do to everybody else. When you live in a place of praise, when you're constantly in a place of magnifying the king, what is some giant to the king of kings and the Lord of lords? I've been spending time making him bigger. You don't seem so big anymore, devil. You don't seem so big anymore, cancer. You don't seem so big anymore, depression. Oh, how can you still have joy? How can you still be all right? Because I've been spending time with Jesus. I've been spending time making him bigger than my problems. Oh, I spent time on Monday giving him praise so Tuesday don't seem so bad anymore. When you've been busy praising, you have less time to worry about giants. 
When you've been busy, when you're all caught up in Jesus, when you're all consumed with him, you just don't have the time to worry about all the problems everybody else is worried about. When you've been spending your energy in praise, you have less energy for the enemy. You have less energy for worry. Friends, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how it's going to be over, how we're going to overcome. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to stop praising. I'm not going to stop believing. Oh, I've just spent too much time with Jesus to let this knock me down. When you live a life of praise, it's easier to live a life of faith. When you live a life of praise, it's a whole lot easier to live a life of faith. And when you live a life without praise, we're always finding the issues. While everybody else is worshiping, we're just picking out the bad notes everybody sang. Everybody else is getting a blessing. We're upset because God hasn't blessed our family. Everybody else is up front connecting with the Holy Ghost, connecting with God, worshiping Him, making Him bigger. And all we're back there doing is taking notes about all the problems we have and writing down all the issues. And we're coming up with a good list of why we can't praise and why we can't do this and why we're never going to overcome. And all of a sudden, there's somebody up here receiving a miracle and we're all upset, finding everything. What's wrong? What's so different about them? I'll tell you what's different. They took their eyes off the problem and they put it back on Jesus. And they said, Jesus, I know I'm I got a problem. Lord Jesus, I know all the issues in my past. Jesus, I know I came in here struggling tonight, but I also came into your presence to give you some praise. And I'm not going to forget to do that before I walk out those doors. Back to every problem, back to every situation. I'm going to get a moment with you, God, and talk about how good you are, and talk about how big you are, and talk about how great you are. Oh, what did, those, oh, what did those old giants say, Caleb? What were they talking about? What were they strategizing about? What were they, what were they saying? Were they talking about us? Were they mentioning us? And old Caleb's over there. You know what? I didn't really hear what the giant said because my voice was already lifted. I already kind of drowned out all the lies of the enemy. I don't know what the devil was talking about. I just know I've got a God. I don't know what the devil was talking about. I saw his mouth moving, so I shouted a little bit louder. I saw he was lying to me, so I praised a little bit louder. So I lifted up a greater shout of victory. How big were they? Caleb, oh, you know what? Then you'll have to ask somebody else who had their hands free because mine were a little bit busy. You'll have to ask one of them. I didn't have time to pull out the tape measure and do all the math. I was a little bit busy with my God. My hands were already clapping. My hands were already praising. Somebody's going to leave with a new perspective today. Somebody's going to leave with a new perspective on giants. Somebody's going to leave with a new perspective. Why? Because you're going to move. You're going to move. You're going to move out of self-pityville. And you're going to move into praiseville. 
You're going to move out of everything's wrongville, and you're going to move to Judah. And you're going to say, I want to join those crazy people who show up on Sunday with a smile on their face. I know that everything's not right in their life, but they're just excited to be in the house of God. They just worship God anyway. I want to live where they're living. I want to see what they're seeing. I want to believe like they're believing. I've got to get to Judah. I've got to get to Judah. I've got to get to Judah. Oh, Caleb, come over here and rub off on me a little bit. Get close to me, Caleb. I've got to live where you're living. I've got to experience what you're experiencing. Oh, somebody's giant is already starting to shrink. Somebody's problem is already seeming a little bit smaller. Somebody's miracle is already seeming a little bit more possible. Somebody's blessing is already on its way. This isn't how it happened. This isn't how it happened, I'm sure, but in my mind, I see it like this. This is just, I can't say it's the book of Joshua because there is a book of Joshua. This is the book of me. I'm Joshua too, so I can't say that. Other people get that privilege to make that joke. I don't get to make that joke. This is how I see it. Here they are, and they've just kind of crested a hill. They've come out of the trees a little bit. They come up over the hill, and before them lays the promise. One of them good old boys, he kind of takes charge, and he starts telling everybody what to do. He's telling you, I want you to take down notes. You find out how many horsemen, how many pikemen, how many archers, how many blah, 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 how tall are the walls, how many giants. And he gets down the line, and he's like, where's... Where's Caleb? One, two, three, I see ten. One makes eleven. I think that's right. I'm not over the math, thank God. But I think ten plus one makes eleven. Didn't, didn't Moses send us with twelve? Who's that? Where's Caleb? We need Caleb. we got to have all eyes, guys. we got to really go back and tell them how big this is. we got to really go tell convince them to turn around and walk away. But I just kind of feel like Caleb crested that hill. And that promise came into view. And he just got to shouting. I kind of just think he went, oh, that's where I get to live? Oh, that's the land he's been preparing for me? Wouldn't you be happy if you put that sandwich in front of your kid and they just went to jumping and saying, Dad, that's the best sandwich I've ever seen. I just kind of feel like Caleb was that kid. He was like, God, that's the best land I've ever seen. God, that's the best promise you've ever made me. And I see it. Therefore, I believe it. I want it. I receive it in Jesus' name. If you want a different perspective on your problems, move to Judah. If you want to believe God for anything, move to Judah. 
Hang out with Caleb and his friends. Don't be hanging out with the other ten who are going to tell you why it can't happen. Don't you hang out with the other ten who brought back an evil report. Don't you be hanging out with those who are talking evil to you, telling you God can't do it, God's not going to do it, you're never going to see it. You need to cut those friendships off and say, I don't want to hang out with you. Let me find a Joshua who has a good perspective. Joshua, what do you see? Man of God, what do you see? Joshua was the one that became the new leader. Let me find a man of God and say, Pastor, what do you see? Pastor, what's the vision that you see? Tell me about the promise one more time, Pastor. I don't want to. I don't want to lose sight of what God is doing. Stand with me all across this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I change every name of every O'Shea in this place. You are now called Joshua. You stop looking at yourself and you start looking at Jesus. I command the spirit of Joshua to fall upon you right now in Jesus' name. I command the perspective of a Joshua to rest upon your eyes right now. In spite of the giants, in spite of the walls, I declare a church that can see the promise. We see the promise. And we trust God. He can do it. He can do it. He will do it. If you're in this place today and you are facing down a giant, if you need God to do a miracle, and you don't know how it's going to happen. I want you to raise your hand right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fifteen, at least twenty, twenty-five people here today. You've come into this building today, and you've been staring at the giant. You've been listening to the giant. You've been comparing yourself to the giant. But I'm here to declare a new perspective over your life. They would have entered the promise if they all had the same perspective. But those who did not have the perspective of Joshua and Caleb never saw the promise fulfilled. But Joshua and Caleb, God kept them and kept them and kept them until they could come back and enter in. If you don't have the perspective, if you don't have the faith to believe God can do it, you cannot enter into the promise. If you don't think God can heal you, he ain't going to heal you, folks. If you don't think God is bigger than your problem, then you got a mighty small God. But those with the perspective. That my God is able and well able to overcome. Those are the ones that get to enter in. And if you need God to do a miracle in your life, if you need God to do a physical miracle in your body, if you need God to do a miracle in your finances, I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know the name of your giants. I don't know if you've named your giant cancer, if you've named your giant depression, if you've named your giant stroke, I don't know what you've named your giant, but I'm here to tell you if you'll take your eyes off yourself and you'll move to Judah. 
There's a God who's made you a promise, and he's standing here today with arms wide open saying, would you come, receive the promise? Would you step out from where you are right now? If you want to jump in, if you don't want to miss out on what God is doing, if you're tired of listening to the lies of your enemy, if you're ready to overcome the giant, if you're ready to step in to a promise, if you're ready to receive the blessing, if you're ready to receive what God has been preparing for you, would you step out from where you are right now and come with your eyes lifted? Don't look at yourself. Look to Jesus. Don't look to yourself. Look to Jesus. Don't look to your neighbor. Look to Jesus.